This is a Dubai Eye 103.8 podcast. Hey, you're listening to the Bite Size Business Breakfast. Everything Tom, Richard, myself and thousands of happy school children at the Museum of the Future have been up to this morning, Tuesday, the 24th of January. It was the final day of the MENA IPO Summit and we were IPO-tastic. Speaking to, amongst others, uh, the veteran investor Fadi Gandor, his take on the IPO boom from someone who has been there and done it, as Richard Dean said before, it was even trendy. Uh, we've been speaking to Fahim Aziz about the options that are open for smaller companies when it comes to going public and Simon Hales about the kind of equity story that you need to put together, the communications part of the IPO journey. All of that plus we've been looking at an audacious rebrand from Dubai Mall. Day two today of the MENA IPO Summit live from our pop-up studio at the Museum of the Future where the event is happening. Brandy Scott, you were live on stage yesterday hosting a panel discussion here at the summit. What did you learn? Do you know what? It wasn't so much the onstage, although the onstage was brilliant. Alan was up there with the CEO of TCOM, the CEO of Salic, like you say, talking very candidly about their experiences. But as fascinating was the amount of people in the room. I can't remember what who turned around and said to me, literally, everyone who's in the space is here. They said, if you were to lock the door, the amount of capital <laughs> that you would have just shut into the museum of the future would be quite incredible. Um, oh, did I? I mean, I bumped into the head of investment from Citibank, the local CEO of Morgan Stanley. I mean, it proper was. Um, and then internationally as well. A lot of people who were here on a fact-finding mission, I spoke to one guy who'd flown in from Washington for two days. And when I said to him at the end of it, oh, okay, see you tomorrow. Are you going to be here tomorrow? He said, well, of course I'm going to be here. This is literally the reason I have flown in. And no one goes to day two of a conference. Very few people stay after it's lunch on day one. It's, it's the shopping and long lunch day, isn't it? <laughs> it isn't it just. Uh, but there's a proper business happening here today. Tom Urquhart is out and about in the Museum of the Future. We have let him loose. I don't know where he is, but let's cross live to him now. Thomas, good morning. Where are you and what are you doing? Yeah, I'm not sure if it's wise, Deanie. Uh, I've made way up to the seventh floor, which is where the summit itself is taking place. It's the lull before the storm at the moment uh, up here at the MENA IPO summit. Uh, day two, as you mentioned already, a number of delegates starting to come in. A lot of the partners uh, and the sponsors have turned up. They've uh, taken uh, over their little pop-up satellite stations here in the main hall. This is where the networking gets underway, as you can see. Uh, plenty of networking going on. In fact, if the camera just pans over there, you'll see a man who, of course, joined us yesterday, Ahmed Ali uh, of the DFM, who will be on stage first up. He's in conversation with Shireen Mitwali just a little later on this morning. It's going to kick things off uh, up here at uh, day two of the MENA IPO Summit. So, uh, as I said, people just starting to filter in. We're expecting the main stage, which is just behind uh, the mood board here, the press wall here, uh, to get... Uh, going round about sort of 8.30, 8.45, depending uh, on what time people start milling in. Day two, always a little bit of a slow starter as well, as we well know. The excitement of day one, all the uh, uh, people turning up. Day two, after, who knows, maybe a few dinners last night, etc. a little bit slower to get going. But take nothing away from the agenda that we're looking forward to today. As I said, Hamad Ali in, uh, is going to be kicking things off in just a few moments' time. And then a little later on, uh, well, it's all about Warren G, isn't it? Regulator. Yeah, the regulators, they're going to be up on the main stage. Not Warren G himself, but 
but the CEO of the local regulator right here in Dubai. Thomas, thanks very much indeed. Get yourself back down here to our pop-up studio. We're about two floors below you at the moment in the Museum of the Future. And our friends at Jumeirah Emirates Towers, the hotel just across the road, have done us proud this morning, haven't they, Brandy? We've got coffee, we've got tea, we've got snacks. We've even got healthy stuff, fruit as well. I've got a buffet for 5,000. I mean, it's really good. Um, we have a, a full dance card this morning. Um, Mohammed Suleiman has brought pretty much everyone on the IPO schedule into our studio this morning. Uh, so it is nice to be a able to feed and water them as well. Right then, Business Breakfast, Dubai I 103.8 FM. Let's look at some of the other business stories making headlines around the world today. Overnight on Wall Street, stocks climbed quite sharply. The Nasdaq was up by 2% and one analyst said the following. They say there is a potential slowdown in interest rate hikes from the Federal Reserve. That is what's getting people on Wall Street excited. They think this rate hiking cycle may soon be coming to a close. Let's see. Going to get the thoughts now of Jean Walter, senior economist at Emirates MBD. The U.S. Federal Reserve is due to make its first interest rate decision of the year early next week. FOMC members will have been heartened to see headline CPI ease to 6.5% year-on-year in December. Importantly, on a year-on-year basis, core inflation, which strips out volatile fuel and food prices, also fell on the month. Near-term indicators of economic activity are also starting to point to a slowdown in the U.S. economy, suggesting that last year's cumulative 425 basis points of rate hikes are starting to have an impact. We expect the Fed to raise rates again next week, but this time by a smaller 25 basis points, taking the upper bound to 4.75%. We would, however, expect the smaller rate hike to be accompanied by some hawkish language. Several Fed officials have been at pains recently to emphasize that they would prefer to keep rates higher for longer to ensure that inflation doesn't re-emerge. Looking ahead towards the rest of 2023, we anticipate at least one more 25 basis point hike in the first half of the year. The outlook for the second half is more uncertain. Markets are currently pricing in rates moving lower from Q3. Jean Walter, Senior Economist at Emirates NBD. Big business stories making headlines today. New York Times, Microsoft investing $10 billion in the creator of ChatGPT. Microsoft has confirmed it is increasing its investment in the company that owns ChatGPT, the AI search engine. These are the comments from Satya Nadella, the boss of Microsoft. We formed our partnership with OpenAI. They're the guys who created ChatGPT around a shared ambition to responsibly advance cutting edge AI research and democratize artificial intelligence as a new technology platform. They haven't confirmed how much they've invested. They've said it is a multi-billion dollar investment. New York Times says it's $10 billion. Big deal. Yeah, it is. And a couple of really interesting questions to come out of this as well. Um, One being that part of that uh, statement, that blog post um, from uh, Satya, says that the two firms will still be able to independently commercialise these AI technologies. So does that mean that ChatGPT can go and sell itself to other search platforms? I mean, presumably, you'd you'd have some rules in there, wouldn't you, um, about who they could go off and work with, but it does say that they will be able to independently commercialise what comes out of this partnership. Um, The other one is... 
And I was looking at this and I just thought, how would I feel if I was working for Microsoft at the moment? And like a lot of other tech workers, we know that people are nervous because there are layoffs. And Microsoft is amongst those. I'm just looking at CNN at the moment, um, who uh, Microsoft unveiled um, 10,000 employees to be cut. Be a bit hard, I think, if you knew your companies were, were going undergoing layoffs, so that's, you know, you're nervous about your own job, your, your friends, or the rest of it, to hear of multi-billion investments. Would it, would it make you pause? It does. Yeah, exactly. You think, hang on a minute, why are you getting, we're making super-duper profits, share prices, not quite where it was, but it's still quite strong. Why, why do you need to let me go? But you can see why Microsoft is doing this deal, because I'm looking at the market share of search. Bing is Microsoft's search engine. The one no one uses it. Can we say that? Well, have a guess what their market share is and what Google's market share is. Yahoo, I'll give you a clue, is third with 1%. What's Bing? Have a guess. Okay, well, Google is going to be about 85% plus of that market. Um, Bing is going to be behind Yahoo, half of a percent? Bing is 3% at the moment. Google is 93%. So, I mean, they're, they're just nowhere near. And you think of Microsoft. I mean, it is, you know, it's a bigger company than Google in terms of market capitalization. But Bing has just never worked. Could this be the thing to catapult Bing and Microsoft into search? They tried and failed with mobile phones, didn't they? They bought Nokia. They had their own handsets. They had their own operating system. They weren't the only ones to fail, though. The Amazon yeah. uh, Fire Phone famously never worked, but then Amazon sort of also said um, that what we learned from that was almost more valuable than, you know, selling you a bunch of, of phones. We'll take one failure for, for one Kindle. Thank you very much. And you fail fast and that's fine. And that's the culture in, on the West Coast of the United States, whether you're in Silicon Valley or whether you're in um, Seattle. And in fact, you've just bought, booked your flights to Silicon Valley, haven't you? You go in there next month? I am indeed. San Francisco, travel tips. Send them this way. Okay, I've got a travel tip for you. Don't go to San Francisco. It's grey and Thanks miserable. Thanks very much. There you go. <laughs> you can have that one for free. <laughs> it's the Business Breakfast live on Dubai I 103.8 FM, live from the Museum of the Future. This is the Bite Size Business Breakfast, exclusively on DubaiI1038.com. We are speaking to the great and the good of the UAE's IPO scene down here at the summit. Joining us now live is a legend of business here in Dubai, Fadi Gandor, Executive Chairman of Wamda Capital. Fadi, ahlam wa good to see you. Pleasure to be here. Now, if you're new in Dubai and you need an introduction to Fadi Gandor, he is truly an icon of business here. He IPO'd his company before it was cool to IPO your company here in Dubai. Back in 2005, he listed Aramex, the logistics company that he founded on the Dubai financial market. Before that, in the 1990s, he listed it on the NASDAQ in the United States. And now he runs Wamda Capital, which is a venture capital and tech investment fund. So Fadi, as, a, as someone who's been there, done that, bought the T-shirt, what do you make of the recent IPO boom here in the UAE? Is it a flash in the pan or something more substantial? No, I think it's, it's very substantial. It's essential. And uh, it was about time for, for that to happen so that you can have depth in the market, uh, distribution of uh, the shareholding across the population. I mean, these are very essential things so that you can have a really serious... Uh, financial markets, uh, and since Dubai is a center, it was uh, natural for them to do that. And the UAE in general, not only Dubai. I mean, there is a race in the region, as you know, for IPOs and to deepen the markets and to get foreign investors interested in these markets. They need depth and they need li liquidity. Without IPOs and the big ones, you can't have 
uh, a serious uh, uh, financial market and, and serious uh, foreign investors in your markets. So give us a bit of a history lesson. I'm reading a story from Gulf News. November 2004, Aramex plans an IPO in Dubai. <laughs> it was the next year that you actually did list yes. on the market. How different was it then? Talk us through that experience. Well, you know, at that time, the laws were a bit uh, very stringent. We, what we did, I mean, believe it or not, we took a company called Arab International Logistics. We couldn't take Aramex because we couldn't value the company as such. Their, the, the share was, uh, price was, had to be one dirham. Uh, and, and oh, every was IPO was a dirham, wasn't it? You remember that, Brandy? The law, every yeah. IPO was you a dirham. It was a rule. You, uh, you couldn't book build yeah. uh, at that time. So Gosh. the valuation was uh, not going to be what we wanted. So what we did is we, we IPO'd. It's like a SPAC. You IPO uh, uh, a company called Arab International Logistics. And that company raises the money and went and acquired Aramex. And we couldn't talk about it at that time. Don't say that Arab International Logistics is really Aramex. So it was a different world altogether. And, and the market was just uh, going crazy at that time. Uh, you know, the city was being built. Uh, there was flush of cash. Uh, debt was incredible. So everybody was pouring into these IPOs. You know, our share price went from one dirham to seven dirhams in six weeks. <laughs> believe it or not. For no good reason. I mean, we had a fantastic company, but it was not going to be worth seven dirhams after six weeks. Uh, different times. Different times. Today, I'm looking at the Arabic share price, three and a half dirhams a share. It is a very su successful Three and a half thing. dirhams a share today is because we distributed uh, uh, bonus shares over the years. is seven dirhams, actually. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> Like what, 12 years later? <laughs> and that's good to know. And you've just stepped down from the board, actually, of Aramex. I, I mean, you stepped back from day-to-day -day operations many years ago. I have. So, but let's talk about what the, what going forward. Because what we'd like to see is exits here on, on the stock market. Yes. It's great to see Salic and Dewa yes. privatizations. Yes. You're with Wamda Capital now, and for the past right. 10 years, have been investing in technology. Right. You were an early investor in Karim. You did yes. very well out of yes. that. You were an early investor in, for example, Tabby, the yes. buy now, pay later company. And, and the all, but the exit for Kareem was a trade sale. They were right. bought by Uber. Right. You know, Soup.com was bought by Amazon. Right. We haven't seen a tech exit yet on the stock market in the right. way we would in the US. Yes. What has to change for that to happen? Well, you know, I've, I've been a proponent of that for, for the longest period of time. The companies that come out from the region need to have... Uh, many options for exits for i mean exits are for investors really not for and um, partly management but you need to these companies to stay a kareem needs to stay a kareem not become an uber a souk needs to stay a souk not become uh, an amazon and to do be able to do that uh, at that time I, I think the laws are changing you could not take a tech company that is not profitable on the stock exchange in any parts of this region because you needed three years of profitability and all sorts of other different uh, restrictions. So uh, they need to change that. And if they don't change that, we're going to continue to have our companies either IPO in the West, like I did in back in 1997, like Anghami did uh, on NASDAQ instead of being listed here. So if we want our companies to stay here, to stay independent like Aramex, you know, this is its 40th year of being an independent company and the daughter of the region, uh, we need to change the laws and allow them to do that. And, and that's the best way for, uh, for, for people to have access, in my view. 
because it's a double benefit. The country benefits, the region benefits, the founders continue to run their businesses as they found them, uh, and investors find ways to exit. Is that not what the NASDAQ growth market is going to allow companies to do? Well, they, they do allow that. The problem with the NASDAQ market is that there's no depth of liquidity over there. So when you, you, can, you might be able to exit, but there is, there's not going to be much trading after that. So people are not enticed to do that. The laws already allow you to actually do that on the NASDAQ exchange here. But, but the FM is where, uh, or ADX is where the liquidity is, and they need to change the laws so that they can allow for these tech companies to happen here. Last question, Fadi. What's the hot sector for 2023? Is it fintech? Is it edutech? Is it health tech? It's continue. Well, health tech's just starting here. I mean, globally, it is happening. And certainly fintech. There's no question about it. The regulators need to also continue to work on making sure that fintech happens in the region. Fadi Gandor is the founder of Aramex. He's the chairman of Wamda Capital. He's here at the MENA IPO Summit. Fadi, it's always a great pleasure talking to you. Appreciate your time this morning. Shukran Jazeela. Thank you. Thank you so much. Catch up on the business headlines with the Bite Size Business Breakfast. Let's look in more detail at the IPO situation now. Delighted to be joined by Fahim Aziz, the Chief Executive Officer of Safa Capital here in Dubai. Fahim's here because yesterday he was in the elevator here at the MENA IPO Summit and Brandy Scott spotted him and said, I know you, you're an IPO expert. Come and get up at six o'clock in the morning and join us on the business breakfast. And so here you are, Fahim. Thanks very much indeed for joining us. My pleasure being here. So one of our top stories this morning, healthy IPO pipeline for... IPOs here in the Middle East. We're looking at up to 39 IPOs across the region, according to uh, Camco. What are you seeing? So we're seeing a lot of interest. Uh, we're, we're, we look at the, the growth market in particular, which is the NAS growth market, which is similar to the A market in the uh, UK. And so this is for smaller companies. This is not for your DWAs and your SALEX. No, it's for small no. growth companies. And so, so there's a real challenge when you're looking at IPOing those, those type of companies because for them it's a real, really a long journey because you have to do a cultural change for them in terms of moving from a private company to, to a public company where there's a lot more scrutiny, a lot more transparency, a lot more corporate governance. Uh, but for them, they see a lot of advantage. Um, they, they come across a lot of challenges at the moment in terms of raising funds. Banks are sort of close to them and uh, private equity investors are not investing into private equity. Uh, a lot of people inve- uh, invested into venture funds as well. And now you're seeing down rounds. People can't get exits, uh, whereas uh, an IPO gives investors an exit. And so there's a real captive market at the moment of investors for those companies. But also for companies that are looking to IPO, they see a lot of advantage in terms of branding and, and, and PR for their own products and services. Um, so I think there's, there's a real sort of hunger to list. What about for smaller companies, though? I mean, we've had this massive focus on the, on the big names. You know, we're yeah. speculating about an Emirates, uh, Dubai airports. What, what are the options for, for growth companies? So for, for, for growth companies in terms of uh, coming to the market themselves? Yeah. yeah, so I think in the region, there, there is, there's a lot of encouragement for those smaller, smaller uh, listings uh, in, in Saudi, in Abu Dhabi, and, and obviously here as well. Uh, and, and I think increasingly a mind shift has changed to actually going to the public market. Capital needs to gravitate towards those public markets. And as that happens, more and more companies will come. So who are you working with at the moment? Obviously not names of people who are uh, considering an IPO, but what kind of companies are speaking to you? So it's interesting. I mean, we're, we're seeing a, a lot of interest from Chinese companies. Uh, actually, the company that we're looking at uh, listing and when the final throws of, of getting that listed right now, interestingly enough, is a tissue paper company. 
And, and the reason why they want to come here, because they see there's a huge market, uh, they want to uh, penetrate that market, and they see there's an opportunity to expand their already established brand and uh, their, their product. They have a lot of innovation, and so we're seeing a lot of innovative companies as well coming. We see from China, we've got a, a huge pipeline, just ourselves, of about 30 companies. Three zero. Uh, three zero. Um, and these, these are high, highly technical companies. And, and the reason why they want to come here is obviously NASDAQ brand itself. They have, a, they have a UAE story and a regional story that they really want to penetrate. Uh, also, they find it very difficult to list in Hong Kong and Shanghai because uh, the time it takes is just too long for them. So they find there's an, an advantage coming here. And for, for the UAE and, and Dubai in particular, you know, growth companies are really the driving force within an economy. Um, and, and, and that's really important. When you look at 94% of all companies are SMEs, 50% of growth uh, comes from, from growth companies themselves. So the UAE, so when they need to move away from the hydrocarbon sort of dependencies, uh, now is the time to really encourage uh, growth companies to come onto the market. What sectors are we looking at? Are they tech companies, these 30 Chinese? So yeah, so a lot of them are tech companies because that's obviously what, what, we would, what we would typically see. Uh, but we're seeing other companies as well. You know, we, we're, we're seeing, like I said, a tissue paper company. We're seeing anim, aluminium moulding company, uh, which is uh, which is quite interesting. But high, uh, mostly our fintech companies, the the agritech, edtech. We're we're doing one dual listing from Canada, which is a drone company. Um, and so the interest is there. Uh, the challenge for them and the challenge for us is to make sure that they're IPO ready. And then obviously, you know, typically smaller companies find that a, a, a challenge. I understand what you're saying about the regulatory in, in Hong Kong and China. And I know also we've had some issues regulatory-wise with Chinese companies listing in yep. the US. But why here? Why do they think the Middle East markets would be a fit? So, I mean, right now there's a very much of an enabling environment here as well. Uh, the the D, uh, D, uh, NASDAQ Dubai has, has created the, the rules, I think, in April 2020, uh, which has made it very easy. You need one year's trading history. Uh, you don't need to be profitable. Uh, 25% free float. Um, this is for the growth market, the NASDAQ the, growth this market. Is, this is for the growth market. And plus, obviously, the, the, the economy of, of Dubai and the region is very vibrant at the moment. Uh, and so it's a very captive market for them. And, and generally, the Dubai story, which is a hub. And so from here, they can look at markets in Africa and, and, and South Asia. So for anybody that's sort of looking to, to, to penetrate uh, the markets around here, Dubai would be a very good home for them. Um, the, the, uh, the, there's also an increasing emphasis now to look at homegrown companies as well. Um, and so, you know, we've talked about sort of family offices and, and how those will come. Those will typically come onto DFM. Uh, but increasingly, we're seeing interest from, from companies that want to come onto the growth market that are homegrown. And there's a lot of encouragement to, 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 to do that as well. So what's going to get them over the line? We've got one minute left with you. What's going to turn it from consultation and advice to an actual listing? So I think... I think uh, the actual listing is, is it just takes time. Uh, so the, the, the time it takes, uh, it takes a lot of commitment from the companies themselves. Um, and once they, once they understand that, then yes, we can get them over the line. Faham Aziz is Chief Executive Officer at Safa Capital, speaking to us this morning about the smaller firms, the international firms, who are upstairs looking at how they can come to market. You're listening to The Business Breakfast live from the Museum of the Future, live at the MENA IPO Summit. More on IPOs to come, including Simon Hales from the communications firm Edelman Smithfield. It's one thing having a great company, but you've got to tell your story to the market and get people to buy into it. Simon Hales does a lot of work with companies 
companies that are going to IPO around the world and here in the Middle East will get his thoughts. Just the highlights. This is the Bite Size Business Breakfast. Where we've got a massive focus on IPOs today because we're live from the MENA IPO Summit happening here at the Museum of the Future, day two today. Speaking to different aspects of the IPO community, we've got the CEO of a listed company coming up in about half an hour, Alan Williamson of Talim. They IPO'd recently. We've been speaking to the investment bankers as well. But a key part of the whole IPO process is communications. Firstly, when you're selling the IPO, you've got to tell your story. And then once you're a listed company, you've got to keep on informing shareholders what's going on. Joining us in the studio now, our pop-up studio at Museum of the Future, is Simon Hales, head of Edelman Smithfield for the Middle East. It's a communications company, and they work with a lot of firms who are IPOing or have IPO'd. Simon, good to have you with us. Thanks very much indeed. Good morning, Richard. Thanks for having me. How important is storytelling when it comes to an IPO? It's absolutely critical. Right? Um, in business, just like in life, it's all about first impressions. It's what really, really counts. So we help companies to really navigate the IPO process, sending out their story, but then also thinking about every type of component. It could be talking to the press. It could be digital media. It could be their uh, investor presentations. And then we help them through kind of every stage. It's a, a long campaign that you have to sustain over time. Uh, so you need to have the right advice uh, to guide CEOs and boards throughout the process. How, how do you balance the fact that you want to spin the story in the best possible light for your clients? Of course you do. I mean, that's, that's why they pay you or other companies like yours the big bucks. And yet you've got to be honest and candid. You can't be pulling the wool over people's eyes. How do you balance those two things? Well, you have to be honest and, and, and can, candid and transparent. Right? That's a job in a functioning, well-governed financial market like Dubai financial market. So I wouldn't describe it as spin. What we do, just like the investment bank advisors, just like the law firm who are advising, we help a company to optimise their share price over time. So you're not ramping the story, but you're helping a company tell their best story to the world. How do you deal with bad news? What if you've had an earnings miss? What if we've been talking this morning about the the Microsofts, the Spotify's, the Amazons of this world who are laying off staff? How do you approach that? Again, you want to show your client in the best possible light, Mm -hmm. but you've got to be transparent. How do you you balance that? Well, one of the most important things you need to do is build trust and credibility before you get into that situation. Um, so, and that's just as important for an IPO. So often we find companies, they come at the end, of, you know, just as, as they're about to float and they want to make an announcement. But the big message is, you know, that's far too late and it's not enough just to do a press release. You know, the world's investors are looking at Dubai right now. They like the summit. They like Dubai. They want to invest here. But companies need to build their reputation many months up to a year, two years before an IPO. And then when issues come, you might have an earnings issue you need to explain. There might be... A, a crisis issue even, but people are going to know you, know your brand, they trust your leadership, then, then they're more likely to give you the benefit of the doubt. I'm going to bring in Brandy Scott now, because Brandy, you were at the summit yesterday, mm. you were on stage at one of the panels, and I know you were talking to a lawyer who'd come from the United States, mm. who was like you know, a bee round the honeypot here in the Middle East for the IPO boom. What kind of questions was he asking you? When it came to communications and platforms, I said to him, well, you can find me on LinkedIn. He said, I don't use LinkedIn. And I was like, but we are in a very LinkedIn environment here in Dubai. And we got into a conversation about 
platforms. New Zealanders mm. don't really use WhatsApp. We do. Some uh, countries are bigger on, on LinkedIn and other social media than others. How do you tailor that message for what platforms we're using here? It's, it's, it's a really interesting question. So we actually survey global investors and 81%, so more than four in five, say they don't just read the company prospectus for an IPO. They actually comb through the social media channels to do their due diligence. And you were talking about uh, chat GPT earlier. Uh, Investors are actually using AI today to try and inform uh, how they make decisions on whether to invest or not. So that means as a company, the onus is on you. You've got to have every facet of your communications absolutely on point when you're ready to go to the market. You need to be willing to talk to the media. You need to come on shows like Dubai Eye and and, and talk to Richard and Brandy. Um, And you need to have your digital channels ready. You need to have your ESG. You need to have your IR team ready to go. But do those digital channels vary from place to place? I mean, the point that was brought up on stage yesterday as well, Saudi, huge Mm. on Twitter, Twitter, Twitter. for example. Um, The subtle nuances between markets, what do they mean for you? So, so there are differences within market. Saudi is huge on Twitter. Companies need to think about communicating in Arabic as well as English. Um, that's that's absolutely vital in this region. But I think you know the bigger picture as well from the from the summit is that you know it's been a fantastic event. You know. People are coming from around the world. They can see the strength of Dubai. Um, but that means the focus is on the firms to really show their best story. Let's talk about fees because, you know, mm-hmm. the IPO summit's here and there's lots of service providers or intermediaries like you. If you're IPOing and then a listed company, you've got to have, an, obviously, a accountancy firm. You've got to have a law firm. Yeah. You've got to have an investment banker. You've got to have you or Brunswick or someone like you. These fees can become very, very big. How do you manage that? Because these CEOs, like Alan Williamson from Salim, who's coming on in about 20 minutes, you know, they need your advice yeah. and it's expensive because you're experts. How do they manage that? Well, you know, we're providing a commercial service, but our interest is is in working with companies for the long term. So most importantly, post-IPO, you have all these communications requirements as a listed business. You're going to have your earnings. You might want advice on the investor relations side. So we're looking to help companies get to the IPO stage, but also to be their partner for years to come after that. Uh, An IPO is for life, not just for Christmas. Absolutely. (laughs) Simon, great talking to you. Appreciate your time this morning. Simon Hales is head of Edelman Smithfield Middle East. It is a communications firm helping companies IPOing. And we're talking about that because we're here at the Museum of the Future for the MENA IPO Summit. Dubai 2023 It's taking place here day two today. It's organized by the Dubai Financial Market and there's a host of experts, not just on stage, but also in our pop-up studio here in the Business Breakfast. You've been listening to a Dubai Eye 103.8 podcast. To enjoy lots more from Dubai Eye in the United Arab Emirates, just go to DubaiEye1038.com or find them wherever you normally get your podcasts.